Uh, my name is DJ Iverson. I am blessed to be the associate pastor here at New Vintage Church, and so uh, I want to say thank you for joining us. Whether you're watching uh, online, whether you're here in person, uh, it is a blessing to be able uh, to praise God together. Uh, and man, following up a worship team like that, it's just, man, what a, what a great start to the day. Can I get an amen on that? Can I get a, get a little bit of love for the worship team and just praising God? Man. Uh, we are in the middle of a series on Joseph. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called The Dreamer, the story of Joseph. And um, I, we're going to be parking in Genesis chapter 42 today. So if you want to get your Bibles out, if you want to open up your Bible app, uh, we're going to be parked there today. And I, I love this story of Joseph. Um, it's one of, the, one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament. There's a lot to draw from. Uh, the past few weeks, uh, Pastor Tim uh, has been sharing some powerful messages from the life of Joseph. And, uh, and today, today's kind of like, um, today's kind of like this. It's kind of like Netflix a little bit. Um, it, like the story of Joseph would be a terrible movie because there's so much to put in there. It would be better as like a Netflix show because you could like binge watch it. We're, we're my Netflix binge, yeah. There's more of you, but I, I know, it's all right. Uh, you know, this would be like a really good Netflix show. Um, and kind of what, where we're at today is kind of like the beginning of season two. Um, and, and season one um, has been really interesting. It's been really powerful. And, and this is kind of setting up, um, this would be like one of those Netflix, this would be like the episode where there's like character development on some of the side characters. I don't know if you ever get to that stage in the show where you're watching, you're like, hey, this isn't about the per, oh, okay, we're going to bring this all back in. That's kind of where this uh, chapter is in the story of Joseph. Um, there's, there's three things, though, I, take, I want you to take away today from uh, this story. Uh, we're talking about God's grace today. We're talking about the grace of God. It's something we've seen in this story. It's something we talk about a lot in church because it's important. Uh, and there's three, if you walk away with nothing else, I want you to remember these three things. When it comes to God's grace, we recognize it. We revel in it, meaning we, we celebrate it, and we share it. Those are, the, those are the three big things that I want us to walk away from, from this story. Um, and something else, too, just as we're having this conversation on grace, uh, I want to get us a working definition of grace as we move forward together. Because what typically happens when we have a conversation about God's grace is we talk about mercy in there. And there's a significant difference between mercy and grace. They're close cousins, but they're a significant difference. And I just want to make sure we get that kind of cleared up before we move on. So here's kind of my illustration for the difference of mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And here's kind of how I illustrate that. Um, if you get pulled over for speeding, right? You've been speeding. Obviously, you know, you're breaking the law. It's posted, whatever. You get pulled over for speeding, and the police officer gives you a warning, right? Doesn't give you a ticket, lets you off with a warning. That's mercy, right? Real simple. You didn't get what you deserved. If you're speeding, you deserve a ticket, you get off with a warning, hey, drive more safely, more cautiously, appreciate it, on your way, 
mercy, right? Grace would be kind of like what happened with a couple of my friends. Uh, They were speeding. They got pulled over. And the police officer not only didn't give them a ticket, he actually escorted them to the hospital because they were on their way. (laughs) She She was about to deliver. Their water broken, right? So um, not only did they not get the ticket that technically they deserved, but the police officer generously helped them get to the hospital, like above and beyond. That's grace. Grace is it's not just they didn't get the ticket, it's they got the help, right? And that's kind of just a real simple, easy illustration. I wanted to clear that up. So as we're talking about grace, we understand it's something you're receiving something that you have not earned, that you don't deserve necessarily. So that's when we're talking about God's grace, that's the context, that's the working definition uh, for grace today. So like I said, we're in Genesis 42. Let's go ahead and talk about season one of The Dreamer on Netflix here and and kind of do a little bit of a recap. Um, Joseph is one of 12 sons of Jacob. Uh, Joseph was the favorite son. And it was very obvious that he was the favorited son. Uh, Jacob made a multicolored coat for him. Some people call it technicolor. Um, He was the favorite son. Um, He had a dream at one point about his brothers bowing down before him. And the mistake he made as a little brother was he told his other brothers about the dream and what it meant. Um, I'm an older brother, so I kind of resonate with the, uh, with the siblings here. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear that from my little sister. You know, yeah, bow down to you, Mm-mm, not happening. So uh, they did what all um, older brothers would like to do. They sold their little brother into slavery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Careful you say amen to this. We're talking about grace here in a minute, so uh, we may come circle back to that. No, they, they sold their brother into slavery, and, uh, and what happens over the course of the story, and this is what Pastor Tim has been talking about over the past few weeks, um, Joseph goes from being sold into slavery to at the point where we catch up with him in episode one of season two here. He is second in command in Egypt, uh, second only to the Pharaoh. And the way that he got there Uh, one of the blessings that God has given him is the ability to interpret dreams. So he interprets several dreams. He does that for key people at key times. God uses that to rescue him from slavery, from prison, and helps use that blessing. Uh, uh, Joseph uses that blessing, uh, and he gets an opportunity to help lead Egypt. And and one of his dreams um, was about a famine in the land. And so as we catch up with season two, his dream has come to fruition. There's a famine all throughout the land, right? All throughout modern-day Middle East. And Egypt is prepared for this famine. And Joseph is in charge of selling the food and the grain that they have stockpiled to prepare for this famine. Joseph is in charge of selling that to people as people are coming in looking for food. And so that's, that's where we kind of come in on the story. And if you're like, man, sold into slavery by my brothers and betrayed and then making it and coming around, 
Like, man, that's a kind of a crazy story. It sounds semi-familiar. It's basically the biblical version of Les Mis um, with less French, and we don't have to put up with Russell Crowe singing. So, um, yeah, no. I mean, you know what? He did a good job. He's okay, but I can't see, I can't watch Les Mis with Russell Crowe and not expect, like, Gladiator to come out. So it's just, it kind of didn't work for me. But, um, yeah, if we've heard this story before, I mean, it's, it's got all the elements of a great story. And, um, and, and it's something that we, we still use in modern-day storytelling of this idea of, of the revenge of the brother and so forth. Um, and so that's where we catch up with Genesis uh, chapter 42. So we're going to read a few passages here from, from that chapter to kind of move the story along a little bit. Uh, when Jacob the father... Uh, verse, chapter 42, verse 1. When Jacob learned there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? Which, great dad statement right there. I love that. What are you guys looking at each other for? Go, go get some grain. He continued, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we, we may live and not die. So we see it's a pretty serious situation. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Just kind of bookmark that a little bit. Note, this isn't just Jacob's family going. This is something that's going on across all the land. You're talking about thousands upon thousands of people looking for food. Now, uh, so yeah, it's a dangerous trip. So Joseph, uh, verse 6. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. If you watch season 1, you know this is a big deal. That dream that he had early on, that dream that kind of sets everything in motion, has now come to fruition, right? As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. I pulled a lot of pranks on my sister, so I kind of appreciate here he's like messing with his brothers a little bit. Um, yeah, he's going to do a little bit more, but you can kind of see here, he knows the answer to the question that he gave them. So he knows the truth here, but he's, he's kind of messing with them a little bit. And that's going to come around full circle in a little while. They replied, uh, we come from the land of Canaan to buy food. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Important part of the story. They did not recognize their, their brother. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, no, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men. We're not spies. No, he said to them, You have come to see where our land is unprotected. Uh, and we're going to skip down to verse 18. Joseph uh, puts them in jail for a couple days while he's figuring out kind of what to do. And on the third day, Joseph said to them, 
do this and you will live for I fear God. And, and what's cool about that, what I like, that little bit right there, it kind of gets, it's like a little, I kind of see this as like a little wink, wink, nod, nod, where Joseph's going to go with this. He, he's kind of giving away a little bit. He's kind of giving a little precursor to what's going to happen because he's saying, I fear God, right? That, that extra bit right there, I, I do this, you live, for I fear God. That's kind of a giveaway of where he's going to go with this um, so that we know this isn't just a revenge story. Uh, if you're honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. Um, so he's sending them off. He's bringing the other brother in, right? We, we remember the other brother was back. And so now that's coming back into play into this story. They said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come on us. So they're kind of freaking out a little bit. And we're going to talk about this in a second. They're freaking out, kind of reasonably so. They're already starting to assign blame because they know that they're guilty. They know that they're in a tough spot. Uh, going down to... Uh, verse 25, Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. So Joseph has given them the grain, given them their money back, and given them provisions. Uh, Verse 27, at the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey, and he saw silver in the mouth of his sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank, and they turned to each other, trembling, and said, what is this that God has done to us? Let's recap this a little bit. The famine has happened just as Joseph dreamed. There are seven years of good harvest, and now they're in the midst of seven years of famine. So God has once again blessed Joseph with an accurate dream. And it's kind of alluded to in the scripture here, but I want us to put a context to kind of what's going on in the land and the culture at this time. Uh, because I think it's going to help us frame a little bit of God's grace in this story. And then the grace in our story. You're talking about thousands upon thousands of people who are wondering how they're going to survive. Like, literally searching the land for food. You've seen how we freak out over toilet paper, Right? So you can imagine people all across the land, no crops, no food to feed their families, no food to feed their animals. Jacob doesn't send his youngest son, and I think part of it is because it's a dangerous journey, right? You're, this isn't like going to the store to pick up some food. This is 
a journey. It's going to take weeks, maybe months. And you've got a lot of desperate people between you and Egypt. And even if you get the food, right, you've got to get back safely. And we know in desperate times, people do crazy things. So in the context of this, right, in the, in the cultural context of what's going on, we already have the brothers very much on edge. And, and this is something I think it's important for us to relate to. A lot of times, we kind of have that conditioning to be on edge a little bit, right? They're in the midst of turmoil. They're in the midst of one of the toughest times in, our, in their lives. And, and I can relate to this. A lot of times, as the story is unfolding, it's in the midst of these difficult situations, right? These powerful stories that happen are in the midst of, I'm kind of used to and prepared for bad things happening. I'm going to be looking for the bad things happening. I'm on edge for the bad things happening. So they make this dangerous trip. They get the opportunity to come to Joseph. They don't recognize him. And they bow before him. And like I alluded to before, this is a powerful moment. You know, if you're, watching the, if you're watching the show here, this is the part where you go, oh, man. Yeah, I remember this from episode two. Right? This is a big moment. And what it does here is it, it, it provides a catalyst for showing that these plans that God has been doing, this grace that God has been putting into action, has been going on for a long time. These aren't just isolated incidences here. There's a story here, and there's a framework that God is setting up for his grace, having gone on for a while. Um, Joseph pretends not to know his brothers. Just a great way for a little brother. I mean, what a great little brother response, right? We're just going to mess with you a little bit. Um, he accuses them of being spies, um, something that will immediately, I mean, if they weren't on edge before, they are now, right? If they weren't scared before, they're terrified now. They're accused of being spies. So he asked one brother to stay, bring in the other brother, right? Which is kind of setting up a really cool story. That's next week, though. That's the next episode. So you'll have to come back. Sorry, uh, we don't get to binge watch this one today. Um, but before that happens, and this is kind of the part that I want to focus on here, there's, because there's a powerful scene coming up in the next episode, and I know Tim um, is excited to tell that part of the story. That's a big, big, big part of the story. But there's something really cool that happens here that gives us a lot of great takeaways, or, or at least a, very, a, a few big takeaways on God's grace. Before he does that, I want to focus in on this part of the story where the brothers, after they buy their grain, Joseph gives them their money back and gives them their supplies. He shows them grace. He extends them grace. The funny part is, and if you're reading this and you go, the response here what has God done to us? That, you know, we know the end of the story, so sometimes it may sound a little weird. Like, why would the brother say, what has God done to us? Well, oftentimes, and, and, and this is something that I absolutely relate to, 
often, oftentimes it's difficult for us to recognize grace. Often, you know, oftentimes it's just difficult to recognize what's going on right in front of us in the moment, right? One of the difficulties is it's tough to see us, what's right in front of us, especially when we're used to being let down or especially if we're in a difficult situation or we've been dealing with difficult situations or difficult people, right? We're kind of conditioned to think a certain way. And, and so here's where I want to go with this. I'm going to ruin a movie for you. Um, how many guys have seen the movie Sixth Sense, right? Okay, if you haven't seen it, it's 20 years old, you had your chance, uh, I'm going to ruin the movie for you. Uh, one of the best like plot twists of all time one of my favorite actors, Bruce Willis. Um, so Sixth Sense, you're watching the movie, and like half of the movie is Bruce Willis and his wife not talking, right? It's like real melancholy, they're at dinner, they don't say a word to each other, they're at home and they like pass by each other in the hallway and they don't say anything, they're just real cold to each other. Poor communication, they're having a tough time, right? And uh, there's a reason for that. He's dead. The entire movie, Bruce Willis is dead. Sorry if I ruined that, you had your chance. 20 years, you've had your chance. It's still a good movie to watch if you know this, so it's okay. The whole movie, Bruce Willis is dead. And everybody's shocked at the end that Bruce Willis is dead. There's literally a scene in the movie where like the other half of the movie, Bruce Willis is talking to this kid and the kid looking at Bruce Willis right in the face says, I've seen dead people. <laughs> he literally says in the movie, I see dead people looking at Bruce Willis right there in front of us. I see dead people. Cut to Bruce Willis. And if that's not enough, the opening scene of the movie is Bruce Willis getting shot. The movie literally starts with Bruce Willis getting shot, and we're shocked at the end. He's dead? Because it's easier for us to believe, hey, you know what? These people are having a difficult marriage. Hmm, they're not talking to each other. This is, uh, this is pretty melancholy. Like, that's easier for us to believe than he, like, we literally saw him get shot. There's a kid saying, I see dead people. He's dead. Oh, no, I think their marriage is in trouble. Let's see how they work it out. It's tough for us to recognize, like, what's right in front of us. So I don't want to give anybody grief about this because I think it's a struggle we all go through. When, the, when we're in the midst of the struggle, when the difficult situation is happening, it's often tough to see exactly what's going on, and it's, it can be even tougher to see God's grace at work. So I want to give these brothers a little bit of slack here, right? I can relate to these brothers here. If there's anything that we want to pull from the brothers part of the story is, the importance of recognizing God's grace. When it comes to God's grace, it's important that we recognize it. 
The brothers don't see the blessing that is literally right in front of them. Right? They're scared because what it looks like on their end is they stole all this food. Right? That's what they're worried about. Oh, you came back from Egypt with a bunch of food? Awesome. You didn't pay for it? How'd that happen? Right? Oh, you have more than what you bought? Right. Right? They've got a huge target on their back. I mean, if, if it's me and I'm one of the brothers, I'm like, if I, we got to get out of town quick because if anybody asks us what's happened and we say, oh, no, the guy get, you know, this guy gave us this food for free, right. Why you? Well, uh, we're not sure why, but yeah, no, these guys are terrified, right? They don't, but they don't see that what they received is literally a blessing, right? It's, it's Joseph extending the grace of God to them. And I can relate. I mean, I was thinking about this, um, you know, I went to my 20-year reunion a couple years ago, um, my, my high school reunion, and I didn't realize till then how many blessings I had received and how much God had worked uh, during my time in high school. Because if you had asked me about my, like the last thing, I'm pretty sure the last thing I said walking off campus in high school was, I will never see these people again. Um, I, like, I don't want to say I had a bad time in high school, but if you'd asked me in high school, like, I'd have given a one-star review on Yelp. Like, high school, one-star review coming out. And, and so the benefit we have now being removed from these stories, right, is you start to see, oh, this is where the grace of God was working all along, right? And, and so I, I relate to these guys. It's difficult, but it's important that we recognize God's grace while it's happening. Because the truth is, we're going through something right now. Like if we got past the, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine, you know, hallway conversations. I'm pretty confident with anybody in here, we could, within a few minutes, recognize the difficulty that we're going through, right? We're all going through some kind of difficulty. And the important part of this is recognizing that even if we don't have the final answer, even if it's not resolved, if, even if we know that we are smack dab in the middle of a difficult time, we are still in the midst of God's grace. We still have the ability to navigate through this. And, and that's going on to kind of the second point you're probably going through something right now. What, what's important, we recognize God's grace, right? Then we revel in it. We celebrate it. We own it. We allow it to fuel ourselves. Joseph is in his place in life because he has constantly recognized God at work. He has been fully aware of the grace of God this entire time. And that's how he's able to be in this situation where he's blessing others, right? That's what Pastor Tim talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, Joseph has always been faithful to God. 
in prison, in slavery, when he thought he should die, and when he's at the top. It doesn't matter the circumstances, he's recognized that God's grace has been at work, and that's his fuel. That's what feeds him. That's what powers him. Uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, comes from Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard was one of the, considered one of the top theologians of the past century, and we were blessed to hear him say this in person. And um, he said, oftentimes we think of grace in terms of the sinner and not the saint. But the saint burns through God's grace like a jet plane burns through fuel on takeoff. And that's what Joseph has here. That's what we have. When we celebrate God's grace, when we recognize that God's grace is upon us, right, that we're in the midst of it, even if we're in the midst of a tough time, that we are fueled by God's grace right now. That gives us our strength, right? I can't deal with this on my own. It's the grace of God that gives me the energy to take this on, right? It's, it's the grace of God that gives me the emotional ability, like the emotional strength to deal with fill in the blank, right? Like the effort, the energy, just the overall exhaustion we face, we are not designed to take on the obstacles in front of us alone. And so as we recognize and we celebrate God's grace, that's where our strength comes from. That's our fuel. That's what powers us through these times. We recognize God's grace and we celebrate it. And we celebrate and we celebrate some more. I think if there's one thing that I encourage us as Christians that we can maybe tweak just a little bit in Christian culture is let's party more, right? This is what I love uh, seeing all the pictures from camp. Right? Yeah, give it up for camp. These folks were celebrating God's grace. These teens spent a week reveling in God's grace. I was watching one of the videos in the coffee shop here, and I'm like, I got to turn the volume down because uh, everybody's looking, right? They were loud. They're literally jumping up and down, right? And, and that's what it looks like when we celebrate God's grace, when we're living in that moment, when we're experiencing it, and that's fueling us. We don't sit still, right? I mean, we've all been in the party where it's like you walk in and it's like, oh, well, how are you doing? Are you doing so? Like so and so and this and this. Like, oh, okay, it's that kind of party. All right, we'll chill. And then we've been to those parties, right, where it's like you hear the music before you hit the door, and you're like, oh, it's going to be one of those parties. All right, let's turn up. Let's do this, right? That's what we're talking about here is we revel in God's grace. We celebrate. We celebrate all the amazing things that God has done in our lives, right? God has done some amazing things to get you here, right? And, and what's that quote that we always say, right? A lot of times we talk about, well, it was really, really difficult. This was a difficult time. I had a tough time doing this, but it made me who I am. Would you trade it? No. Right? That's the hindsight part, right? That's understanding God's grace has got us here. 
So we know that. We know that God's great grace has brought us here. Let's celebrate it. Uh, one of the other examples, do a little pitch for this. Today at 5, baptism Sunday at the beach, right? In the words of the youth ministry crew, time to turn up, right? Yeah. Let's celebrate this. People are giving their lives to Christ, right? And if you've been to one of our beach baptisms, you know it's not like this at all. We get out of the water like, good job. Yay, Jesus, and we'll see you later, right? No, man, it's like, give me a hug, I'm all wet. I don't care, give me a hug, right? Nobody comes out of the water and goes, hmm. <laughs> You're surrounded, right? There's strangers coming up to you, hey, congratulations, that was beautiful to see. Welcome to the body of Christ, you know, we've got this energy, it's like, I don't care about sand in the car after beach baptism Sunday, right? We celebrate, that's what we do. We're watching that in action. We're watching God's grace take over people's lives. I can't encourage this enough. I know the difficulty of recognizing grace, but we've got to be good at reveling in it. That's the part that people want to see, right? That's the part that changes lives. That's the part where we go, you know what? I can't ignore what God has done in my life. So I'm going to share it. If, you're gonna, if, you wanna, if you wanna ask me how I'm doing, you're gonna hear about God's grace. You're gonna hear about all the good things God is getting done in my life. Whether it's difficult times, whether it's great times, whatever. If you're gonna ask me how I'm doing, you're gonna hear about God's grace. That's how we celebrate, we share those stories. I encourage you today, ask a youth ministry kid, if you see a kingdom worker shirt from their camp, tell me a story from camp, right? You're going to hear some God's grace, and you're going to hear some energy. I was loving it, too. Yesterday, I went to go pick kids up from camp. We have four hours of traffic on the way back. Not a single complaint, except from the driver. Right? These kids are fueled up. I'm expecting them to show up at camp and be like, hey, guys, how are you doing? And everybody would be like, oh, nah. Their voices are gone. A couple of them look like they didn't sleep all week. Yeah, we know that crowd. But none of them are going, you know what, mm, that was tough. No, all of them. Man, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Let's get back home. Let's do some work, right? Four hours of traffic later. Still saying that. Absolutely God's grace. So what do we do? We've, re we, we've recognized God's grace, even in the difficulties. We revel in it. We celebrate God's grace. But if we stop there, we're missing the big point. We're missing the Joseph part of the story here. We share God's grace. That's what we pull from Joseph in this story. We share God's grace. Joseph has every right to sentence his brothers to death. And nobody would bat an eye. They sold you into slavery? Yeah, man. Well, we'll execute them today, dude. Let's go. Nobody would have batted an eye. You want to launch these guys into the sun? We'll make it happen. Let's do it. Nobody would have said a word. Right? Instead, Joseph goes beyond mercy. He goes beyond justice. 
right? He does not do justice to his brothers. I want to make that very, very clear. Joseph does not give his brothers justice. Joseph extends God's grace to his brothers. His brothers would be deserving of punishment. Instead, they're rewarded with the ability to live in abundance. That's sharing God's grace. And that's an absolutely beautiful metaphor for God's love. What Joseph does here is a powerful metaphor for God's love. Whatever it is that we've deserved, we've been rewarded with the ability to live in abundance. Here's the crazy part. There are plenty of others around us who need to experience God's grace. That's why it's important that we share it. There are plenty of people that we can think of right now that need to experience God's grace. They need to see us celebrating. They need the help recognizing God working. And they need to experience it for themselves. They need somebody to preach it to them through their actions and their deeds, right? And here, here's the cool thing about this story. Joseph is in a unique position to offer this grace to his brothers. This story loses a lot of its teeth and a lot of its power. Uh, it turns into like a Hulu series if it's not Joseph giving the grace. Does that make sense? Like the fact that it's Joseph giving the brothers this makes the story. It's him. It's his unique ability. It's God using his specific circumstances and his place and his story to uniquely administer his grace to the brothers, right? So I'm going to throw this out there. This is a challenge for all of us. You may be the best person to share God's grace for someone. My bet is that there's probably someone in your life that needs to experience God's grace and you are the most uniquely qualified person to administer that grace on behalf of God. I'm going to say that again. There is probably someone in your life that needs to receive and experience God's grace and you are the most uniquely qualified person to be the conduit for that grace from God. That's our challenge, right? We recognize God's grace. We revel in it. We celebrate it. Or we share it. That's what Joseph did. And it's a powerful story. And it's a great example for us. And as we kind of take a turn towards us, as we take a turn towards our communion time, we recognize that we've been given a very similar story through Jesus Christ. Right? 
What we deserve, we don't get. And we get more than we deserve. Uh, we're going to close out with communion. If you didn't get communion on the way in, our communion server, just raise your hand. Our communion servers will find you. But I want us to close out with this. This is, this is communion was established. The communion as we celebrate it was established by Jesus. Jesus showed us grace by taking on the toll of our sins. He gave us a new life and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he calls us to share this good news. Jesus calls us to share this good news. Let's, reckon, let's use this communion time to recognize the grace that we've received from God through Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate the grace that we have received from God through Jesus Christ. And let's share it. Let's share this time together and let's bring others in to share together. Dear God, we're thankful for this time. We're thankful for your grace. God, we pray that even in the midst of difficult times, even when it's Jesus on the cross times, even when the skies are dark, God, I pray that we would recognize your grace in action. Thank God that we would celebrate it, that we would allow it to fuel us, that we would allow it to, to guide our thoughts and our actions and, and, and use it just as our energy, God, um, as we try and make it through. And God, I pray for us today that we would be people that share your grace. God, that you would continue to provide opportunities for us to bless others in your name. God, that we would be people that go beyond mercy and justice to, to share your grace with others so that they may recognize it and celebrate it and share and so on and so forth, God. And we give all of this glory to you. And we say thank you for you and your son. It's through him we...